Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. For BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich to celebrate the 150th anniversary of BF Goodrich. Get up to $150 cash back when you purchase four or more passenger or SUV tyres. This is Real Adventures where we talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. And one of Victoria's premier recreational anglers joins me as always. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. How are you? Oh, excellent. Excellent. It's, uh, you know, it's not long now, but till the end of the season. And then uh, I'm looking forward to casting a line in, Redmond. I've not fished for months. Speaking of not fishing and casting a line in, we might as well give our uh, boat updates. I'll let you fire away where your 750 North Bank is at the moment. I know you need to call Rob this afternoon to find out exactly where, but where did you last hear it was at? Uh, I've just had a... Uh CFX sent over so I've got a little 65 litre fridge going in on the passenger side um, I believe you've got the same setup so um, having the last boat I had I had the stainless steel framework under each seat the skipper and the passenger seat but what I've done this time because I wanted that integrated fridge is I've gone passenger seat I've, I've got the fridge and then I've got some sliding drawers for tackle uh, boxes. And then underneath the skipper's seat, I've got the um, the framework basically so I can put a cool box underneath or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and then the setup that way, which is, I think it's the same as yours. Yeah, very similar. I've gone... I've gone the other way, actually. So I've actually... Now you've said it, I probably should have done it the way you've done it, but I've done... Actually, I'll be honest with you. The boat that I've had built uh, via Northbank with Rob, it's probably not going to be to the specs of um, how I actually wanted it, as in to the millimetre. And that's just to do with COVID, Pat, because I would have liked to have gone over there and sat down with Rob. And we talk about designing boats and getting boats ready for yourself to how you fish. But due to COVID, it's literally been over the phone work, few photos back here and there because I haven't been able to go there, stand in, a, stand in the six metre North Bank with him that he's got there, another one or my one, for, for instance. I would have liked to have done five or six trips over there over the process and basically build with him. So learn how he does things and also how I wanted to put everything into play. So I don't think it's a mistake that I've made, but fishing by yourself, you obviously want to counteract your weight by having the stainless work on the driver's side that I've done. You've gone the other way, which I think smarter than me, but I've done it no, no, I've, I've done the same thing. Oh, you've done the same thing. So you've made a mistake too. 
No, I don't think it's a mistake. Well, I think it's the right setup. Maybe not for a 750, but a little bit of it on the six meter. I'm thinking if I have, because I want to run a CFX on my cool box, but if I load that up with fish and a couple of snapper and stuff, it's probably it's probably not, yeah, it's probably right. It's probably not going to counteract the weight too much, will it? No, I don't think it. I don't think it does. I think it balances it reasonably well. Um, as you said, if you've got underneath the, your skipper seat. If you've got your cool box there already, like the fiberglass shell in yeah, itself, yeah, yeah. like that's got some weight to it, so I wouldn't be too con- too concerned around it. Now, under that, I'm one got, of, oh, sorry, you're right. There there you go. Go. I was going to say, under that, I've got uh, I'm going to have my burly cages, my parachutes, and earlier in the week on the Tuesday, my boat actually arrived to Melbourne Marine Centre. I don't know how, because your boat was meant to be done before mine, as we've discussed, but I think Rob snuck me in before you because you're off gallivanting on priorities. <laughs> so he's got mine in before yours, and uh, it arrived to Melbourne Marine Centre, and the team there are fantastic, aren't they, Pat? Like, to deal with, we've, I've really enjoyed my phone calls. Once again, I'd like to be up there with the boys helping fit out, but I can't because they're in the COVID restriction area. They're in the the, the, the ring of fire, as they call Melbourne. it. Melbourne. Dirty yeah, Melbourne. No very, <laughs> very dirty. Very <laughs> so dirty I would like to be up there going through a little, a few things, but thank God for FaceTime, i tell you what, because I've been able to help design my dash and the likes. So this boat probably isn't going to be like to the millimetre of exactly how you want it, just due to COVID, but it's going to be pretty damn bloody good, to tell you the honest truth. And the engine, I'm, I'm putting the pressure on Andrew. I know he'll be listening to this. He got the, he got the, he got the boat Tuesday. And I'm hoping that he's got the engine on by Tuesday afternoon. So, because I want to be out this week. So, hopefully it's no done. No pressure. In, hopefully it's done in the next three weeks. I've got Bimini and Clears going on this week, Pat. Um, or when, sorry, when Andrew gets it over to him. Um, I've also got uh, Anchor Winch going on. Lone Star Anchor Winch, my Garmin gear. I've gone just simple at the minute. Uh, I will. I will. I just want to get it on the water, and because of COVID, it, it just. I just want it on the water. I just need it back here fishing. I've got the snapper season coming. I've just got a 10-inch screen in my dash at the minute. I will add a 12-inch or another one in the coming weeks um, or coming weeks or months, but I've just gone and, and got that. Also financial as well. It cost a few more thousand dollars to get another screen put in, which now I've got the screen in. I've got a one kilowatt transducer underneath, high wide, and all from Garmin as well. And it's sitting on the Easy Tow trailer, which I couldn't be happy with. And I know you've got a Easy Tow trailer under your 752, I'm pretty sure, don't you, Pat? Yep, exactly right. All all aluminium, so don't use mine quite as often as what you do. So hopefully that means it keeps it in uh, in good nick. Yeah, I uh, I'm not too worried about these trailers. They they hold themselves pretty well, to be honest with you. I think they're the ultimate trailer, and I'm really happy to have bought one of these. And more importantly. Andrew, you've got three bloody weeks on giving you max because that's technically when COVID could go back. Hopefully, Andrew pulls his finger out and lets everyone out. So you've got three weeks, Andrew, to have me on the water. I'm going to go mad. But Patrick, hook, line and sinker this week. Post some awesome photos on their social media platform. Yeah, one of my favourite shows to watch, Hook, Line and Sinker. And what I love about what the, the boys do, they do their, their boat renos, their restorations. And at the moment, they're uh, restoring a beautiful old um, 1980s Pride Sea Raider. And I actually looked... I actually I actually fished out of one of these, Pat. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> I, my, that, was my, that was my child boat, a childhood boat that Dad owned. He had a... Yeah. Geez, the old two-strokes. He... One fifth would have been a Johnson or 115 something. One fifteen Johnson, yeah, one fifteen Johnson yeah. on the yeah. back of it, and that's what I grew up fishing out of from 
Oh, geez, I can't even remember when. He, I, I actually remember him bringing it home because it was night time from work and when he bought that home. And we had that our whole lives. And then Dad decided that he wanted to rebuild, to take the cabin out of it and push it everything forward. And from that day onwards, it ended up in a farm out here in Drysdale <laughs> as an ornament. <laughs> he cut the so thing open. Leave, <laughs> Never got leave the boat restoration to the experts. Oh, keep going with you. Sorry, keep going with your boat <laughs> restorations. So they and they've done some ripping boats over the years for Klein and Singer. So they're currently restoring the uh, the Pride Sea Raider at the moment, um, and it looks absolutely spectacular. And if you go onto the uh, the boat sales website at the moment, they've actually got a previous boat that they've um, renovated a, a beautiful Haynes Hunter 19R, which is one of the most. Um, I suppose sought after, it's certainly iconic, used boats in the Australian um, used boat market. And it's for sale for about 63 grand. And this thing has got absolutely everything. They stripped the whole thing right back. Um, 200 horsepower, yummy on the back. Does 45 knots. And it sort of got me thinking, if the 19R is one of these um, iconic Australian fishing boats, if you had one boat that you could restore and take into account that you have um, an unlimited budget in which you can restore but it's got to be a trailer boat because I think one of the things that um, that sneaks up on people when they when they restore a boat you can basically buy a brand new boat or, or of similar type for how much it's going to cost you to restore it to do it absolutely perfectly but if you could restore a boat what would it be and why well, I think I'm going to have to go your old school Bertrams uh I'd like to have it like... 25 or 23? Well, that's, you've just put the key word, trailable. Um, 25 is getting big. It's starting to really get big. So we'll go with 25. We'll, uh, we'll put an oversized sign on the back of it. <laughs> I'll buy a Ram too. I wouldn't mind a Ram as well. So I'll buy one of them while I'm at it. But um, I reckon an old school Bertram, I'd take the inboard out of it for sure. I don't, I'm not a huge advocate for inboard engines. I'd definitely chuck two Mercs on the back. Oh, what size would I go? I'd have to go nearly 250s, I reckon. Two 250s on the back. Well, and then I'd also so the hookline, the the boys at Hookline, they they did a twenty five and put twin two hundreds on the back, and it does early forty knots. So like I'm, astonishing. We'll add an extra fifty. We'll go two and three hundreds then. <laughs> <laughs> but I would chop the top off it. No, sorry, I sorry, I would. I'd get rid of the flybridge as such. Um, I definitely have a platform for standing on for when I go up to the Marlin and the likes. But I don't reckon I'd have. So you, you just wouldn't. You wouldn't have a. You wouldn't have controls. There. Well, now you've made me think about it. I said to you earlier, I probably wouldn't. But on the Marlin, I guess the skipper's the most important eyes to be able to see because communication doesn't always work that well. So now you've made me convinced. Maybe I do leave that up there. <laughs> I'm not too sure. I'm. Uh, I'm in two minds here. What would you restore? Uh, I had a. I had a Smuggler six point three, which is one of. Like, I just love that boat. And something it had beautiful timber throughout it. It had an inboard. I nearly sank it once because I forgot to put the bungs in. This is like one of the first times I ever used it. There, there goes four and a half grand. I had to spend on new manifolds and a few other bits and pieces. <laughs> so that, that that was an expensive lesson. Um, but the most incredible boat to drive. But I think you're right. Like in terms of iconic boats, the Bertram 25 and what I'd do to it now if... Once again, money was no objection. I'd have a, um, I'd go twin outboards, but one of the big problems is the 25s were designed for inboards. So the center of gravity and the weight 
is specifically designed to be in the in the cockpit and down low. So whenever you put outboards on the back, obviously it, it does disrupt that. But SeaKeeper, and we've reviewed this on our show before, which is obviously uh, a gyro uh, stabilizer, which you, you can put into small trailer boats now, sort of around that seven meter mark, you can you can put them in. Um, reduces the the sway um, when at rest significantly. I'd actually put one of those in the back, and you could probably fit it where you where the old engines were um, in the Bertram, and it would just about be the ultimate. I say trailerable with exclamation marks because it's not really trailable but it'd be about as good as it gets because um, there's something special about that old those old birdies isn't there I've fished out of them numerous times I've done, and you know what I do do a lot out of them is diving uh, and just to dive out of and in saying this coming back to what I said with outboards but the inboard actually acts as a very good station to set up for diving out of because you can actually use that inboard with the cushion the seat cushion on top to actually prepare yourself and get ready to get into the water so it, it does have its purpose for diving, but I'm not a massive fan of inboards like you said. So what I do is they come out, and to counteract the weight that you're speaking about, I just put in a 500-litre fuel tank that get me everywhere. <laughs> That'll get me everywhere. I'll be able to go to King Island, do all my trips, Tassie, whenever I want. Uh, circumnavigate yeah. Australia. Well, yeah, uh, pretty much. In that thing, Jesus. <laughs> your week in fishing, there was some irony with... Uh, with your week in fishing this week, Redmond. We spoke last week at length around uh, with the return to fishing now and the the slight restriction or the, the lessening of restrictions around fishing and how far you can go with your boats. It's a good time to, to get in and get your boat serviced. It did impact how much fishing you could do during the week. Well, we'll shape it up for people that are listening and a bit confused. <laughs> so Mr. Andrews confused everyone on Sunday. Um, and I don't care if you... I don't like I speaking just I'm just sticking by the rules we're here to talk about rules and regulations I don't care if you're happy for it or not I'll be honest with you I'm not that happy for it either but <laughs> you're not happy with anything no not the fact that no one can fish but yet they can have 50 kids at a playground anyway keep going but back to what I was saying <laughs> is um, you if this doesn't change I don't want to talk about it too much because it can change any day but you can travel five kilometers from your house and fish on on anything that is not basically facilitated by your council. So you can't use piers, you can't use boat ramps and the likes. You can go off the rocks, yep. you can go fishing off the rocks, you surf beach, and you're not allowed to fish any longer than two hours. So if you do live within five kilometres, by all means, go out and stick by the rules and regs. For those that don't, I'm... As Andrew says, I am deeply sorry, and I hope that it comes around soon and you guys can get back on the water as soon as possible. I really, really do. But one thing that did get allowed during the week, Pat, and this is a pretty important thing, and you and I spoke about it last week, like we said, and that comes down to the servicing of your engines. Now, I give the BIA and everyone that was involved in this a big hands together because they've put they've, they've got this over the line for us and it comes down to your servicing of your engines and your maintenance. So I'm just going to read a couple of dot points off uh, the DHS, DHHS website. People are expected to have their boat serviced within five kilometres. However, highlighted, for many reasons relating to, spe- to specialist or expertise or knowledge of a sp- specific make, model or type, this will not be possible. So, you are allowed to travel more than five kilometres to get your boat serviced, but it has to be for maintenance and the likes. If it can be transported by the actual dealership or whatever the special is in itself, try and contact them. That that not is not mandatory. So, you can 
take your vessel as in if it's got a logbook check or whatever it is you can get it serviced and please please go get it serviced because i will always do this i'll always help someone on the water if they need help but if I'm out snap efficient, I would rather be snap efficient than towing someone back because they didn't get their boat serviced or whatnot. So if you can, please get it serviced and get get whatever you need done and get yourselves on the water safely and hopefully catch some awesome snapper in three weeks plus times, hopefully. Fingers crossed, Patrick, while you're up in sunny Gold Coast. <laughs> We've got a huge show of real adventures coming your way this morning. We're going to talk soft plastics and fishing for snapper. But up next, the social club. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich. And don't forget to download the new Real Adventures app. It has all our latest podcasts, fishing news, tips, and recipes. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Redmond, snapper, soft plastics, talk to me. Yeah, it's a big question that I get regularly asked. Not something I do a massive amount of. I know you probably do at times a bit of this, Pat, but I do do it a handful of times a season, but I'm definitely the bait sort of guy. You know my theory with soft plastics. You uh, take the plastics bag out, you throw it down the side of the boat, and you don't use them. That's how we use them. So <laughs> today <laughs> I'm going to cover a little bit of how to use them and where to use them. They do work really well. I tend to find you catch a lot of smaller snappers as such with using soft plastics than you tend to on bait. So on bait, a lot of those fish I catch are sort of three kilo to six kilo with the odd bigger, odd smaller. Where your plastics, a lot of the times, I'll probably only get a handful of fish, sorry, a year that are over that three, four kilo mark on plastics. And I know some people that specifically go out there and just target snapper on plastics and they do really well. I'm just talking about your average, everyday uh, plastics fisherman that just heads out for a bit of fun. Spoil grounds are a fantastic place to start. So out of Clifton Springs, you've got numerous spoil grounds there that hold numerous pinkies and snapper. You've got all up at Altona on the rocks up there, right down to Black Rock, Bow Morris, and even towards Mount Martha and close down there. So anywhere, what I'm trying to say is anywhere where there's some sort of structure, reefy structure or rubbly ground, oh, sorry, raised grounds, just spoil grounds, you're going to see snapper hold in that area. What about once you've you've bellied up, you've used your bait and you're starting to get some really nice snapper, is it worthwhile throwing, you know, if you've got a few people out fishing, is it worthwhile having one of them um, dropping down the soft plastic to see if they can... Um, land some fish quicker than having to rebate every time uh, yeah it's a, i've tried this so many times and i've never had luck and i'll be honest with you even the micro jigging i've never i micro jig a hell of a lot other than when we've micro dribbed up jigged up north pat that was the first time i've caught decent fish on micro jigs and plastics yeah now oh, sorry it shouldn't say plastics i've caught them offshore and kingfish and the likes on those but i'm talking about in our bay for snapper so when i'm in the bay I've had micro jigs out when I've had the hottest snapper bites going that you could possibly have and not caught them. I've also tried it with plastics and I've never personally had luck. Do I do it enough? Probably not. So definitely out there, give it a go. If you like you said, if you've got that extra hand on the boat, why not use it? But make sure you allow your cast so you don't tangle with all the baits because if you pull one through, you might pull three or four baits through and have a big dilemma, especially if you're using braid in the bay like I do. 
It's time for The Social Club where we answer your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures Facebook, Instagram, or our new Real Adventures app to join in the conversation. The first question is from William. Red, which is... is which? <laughs> William. Red, which was... is the best way to present... <laughs> which is the best way to... Be- we'll do that again. Hold on. William, Red, which is the best way to present a pilchard bait for snapper? Okay, William. I'm glad he can uh, <laughs> stop, Pat. <laughs> Pat, go again for a second. I, st- I started laughing halfway Aaron through that. I couldn't do it. Go again. Rock. Ask it again. I've got the time here. William, Red, which is the best way to present a pilchard bait when fishing for snapper? Good question, William. Now, hard when you're fishing tidal waters to do what I'm talking to you about. Now, you need to be smart with tidal water. So, for example, Western Port, quite often they tend to use squid or more chunk bait, salmon and the likes. In Port Phillip Bay, where there's minimal tidal influence, you can use pilchards throughout nearly the whole bay other than the southern end where the tide runs. So, when we're rigging up our pilchard baits, the number one rig I would use is a snelled rig. So, snailed rig with a whole pilchard or a silver whiting same same scenario going on here so how i like to do it is that first hook which is your bottom hook goes through i actually put the hook through the whole middle part of the fish i come back through the top of the head of the fish so i actually go in between its eyes in the middle section and i pop the hook out so it's well presented nicely the next hook i actually go on on this one either side of the fish i go through the side of the fish and then i half hitch it two or three times with in my ideal scenario no sinker if i do have a sinker it's a size one p sinker and that's on so remember i spoke about this on numerous shows if you do want to listen to previous shows our podcast is on itunes and also you can access the real adventures app where it has all of our latest shows and plenty more so make sure you listen to the snapper talk if you do want to get that little bit more info and like i said before minimal sinker weight near to nothing as much as i possibly can I like to have three unweighted and three slightly weighted with a size uh, size one P-sinker, just to clarify it again. So when you are fishing in the bay, make sure that you're not in a tidal area when running pilchards, otherwise they'll spin. Like, for example, Western Port, bay will struggle, but Port Phillip, you'll get away with it pretty much the whole time. Next question from James to you, Mr. Patrick. Danger, are you going to stay in Queensland or are you going to come home? If so, will you travel regional Victoria? As with the restrictions right now, you are allowed to do so. Uh, we're going to stay up for a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to actually head to Stradbroke Island. And it's been interesting. So a lot of players are going to sort of make the most of still being in Queensland and um, and do a bit of exploring. And a lot of our guys are actually going to go to Fraser Island. So I reckon there's probably five or six that have had their cars sent up and it's been quite funny to go up in the mornings and you see um, the boys literally, you know, on the the Ironman 4x4 websites, on ARB websites, you know, literally getting the cars ready um, with roof racks, uh, with new tyres, all these sorts of things, um, winches, um, recovery points. Like, it's been hilarious to see the boys all chatting about you know how they're setting up their cars uh in order to tackle fraser island and do some camping it's been awesome to see can i, so, can I just hold but, you up there for one second before you go to the next bit i don't want to know all the boys that are going up there i don't need all the names but who is going to have the most dramas up there and who's going to be stuck the most out of the boys that are going I, I, 
It's a great question. I'm really quite concerned. Mark Blitzarves is one. <laughs> Why did I think you were going to say that? <laughs> and, just... I, and I've been to Fraser a few times. Wonderful place. Um, I did say to him, just pick your times when you're going to challenge the tide with a four by four <laughs> because I have got it in my head of like, you know, seven Ford Rangers stranded on a beach with you know, waves up to the, the bonnet and thinking, oh my God, half the Cats team, they're going to drown on bloody um, Fraser Island. So, so Rex um, Gorell and DeLong's eyes are just lit up saying we're going to sell another seven cars very quickly. Exactly. Well, they've all, they've all kitted out with the uh, the all-terrain BF Goodriches. Um, but so getting back to, to answering <laughs> the question, so there's a lot of guys that are heading up there, heading Fraser Island. So we're going to do the same thing. Um, but we're just going to do it a little bit closer given um, sort of my kids' ages of three and one. Uh, we're going to do Stradbroke, which is, you know, it's an hour probably from where we are now on the Gold Coast. Um, we're going to spend probably five, six days there. And then we're going to work our way up to Harvey Bay, one of the great places around Australia. And we've done it before on our, um, on our dream boating destinations to fish. So not that it's all about fishing as, but um, this time of the year, um, really good king fishing up here. So we're going to... Get into a bit of that, and then um, probably after a couple of weeks, then head back head back home, and then you and I will head down to um, uh, to Lakes Entranceway, hopefully with uh, COVID permitting, and, and do some fishing off there. So that's one of the biggest challenges, isn't it? When we're when everyone's at home, we haven't been able to spend too much time away. But you know, if we cast our minds, you know, less than twelve months back, Australia was under the you know the the worst bushfires that we've just about ever seen. And so many rural and local uh, economies have just been totally devastated, and that's one of the things that you and I were so big on, making sure that we're, you know, we're going out to to visit and see these places that have been fire affected, and Gippsland's been one of those, Malakuta another. So we're gonna we're gonna head there after Stradbroke, which will be uh, nice. Now, Reben, that wraps up our uh, our social club. We are gonna get to our dream boating destination. You've fished here before, I have as well. One of the the great places around the country to fish. And in terms of table fish, well, it doesn't get much better um, than King George Whiting. But Tumby Bay is our dream boating destination. I have fortunate enough to be there, and Tumby Tom, he's been a guest of the show, be regular in uh, Tumby Bay down there, and he's probably one of the most recognised fishing in fishermen in South Australia. And if you are heading to Tumby Bay, make sure you get in contact with him if you can, because he's a guru. It's roughly six hours from Adelaide driving. I've towed from here, and it's a lot more. It's a lot longer than six hours. Uh, it's known to be the closest access point to the groups, which is a heap of offshore islands. It has also. Tumby Bay is renowned for its endless sandless, uh, sandy beaches, recreational jetties, and it has two first-class boat ramps, which I think every boat ramp in South Australia does, Patrick, just to put that out there. They're fantastic. It's, the, it's the, the best, my view, it is the best um, equipped state in terms of looking after. And we all know, and, and um, Adelaide, South Australian anglers certainly know there's there's been some really big issues, obviously, with the snapper fishery. But in terms of the facilities, I don't think there is a state that has looked after their fishermen better. Everywhere I've been in South Australia, the facilities are just first rate, certainly compared to you know a lot of, a lot of what we've experienced around the country. Especially down at Mogg's Creek down there, Patrick. <laughs> the <old sand. laughs> I did want to say that, but yes. <laughs> the island started approximately 12 nautical miles from Tumby Bay boat ramp. And for... 
trailer boat, it's very accessible for fishermen to spend a whole day there or night and can be protected on certain winds with certain islands that you head to. Um, like you said, Patrick, it's very famous for its supply of King George whiting, and they are monstrous fish. Huge, huge King George whiting 50s are not uncommon down there. Um, like we said before, King George whiting is high on most people's hit lists, but also has a massive variety of table fish, which include garfish, snook, herring, trevally, red mullet, snapper, and squid if you're after a, f- a fresh feed. And if you aren't, if you're just travelling through without a boat, um, you've got Tumby Bay Marina and jetties, which provide some excellent fishing throughout the year. Yellowfin whiting, trevally, flathead brim, herring, and snook are regularly encountered. But, and they're also great fun on like gear, Pat. Never, don't forget that. And kingfish and mulloway have also been known to invade the system throughout the year. And tell you what, I don't mind the Tumby Bay pub either, Patrick, just to put it out there. <laughs> this is Real Adventures for BF Goodrich. Get up to $150 cash back when you purchase four or more BF Goodrich passenger or SUV tyres. Get in before September 30. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to the show, and it is now time for the Real Adventures Rewind. All for Dometic, enjoy our drink on the rocks on your next outdoor adventure with Dometic CFX3 Ice Maker Model. Our special guest this morning, he doesn't really want to talk too much fishing because he's got a bone to pick with he does uh, off air then. the Oof. AFL. We've got Bushy this morning. Good morning, Bushy. How you going, Paddy? We're going great now. Uh, we were discussing off air. You're not liking the way the sort of the ball's moving at the moment. The contact push in the back row. Can you just elaborate a bit more, Bushy? <laughs> I don't know whether I, mean, I think I was more going off than being reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit concerned. I don't know too much about the rule changes, but I think they've taken it away from the hands in the back rule. I'm a bit concerned we're going to go back to what happened a few years ago when everybody got pushed under the ball, just as a matter of course. And the commentators are all just saying, oh, he's worked him under the ball. No, he just pushed him fair in the back. That's, that's what happened. So it just became accepted that you were going to get pushed out of position. So that's why they brought the hands in the back rule. So it was easier, supposedly, for the umpire to pay that rule. And now if they've gone back on that, I'm a bit concerned that's where we'll end up. Can't get in the right position because you know you're just going to get shunted under the ball. So that's a little bit of a bushy rant. Who knows nothing about it? But anyway, let's 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 <laughs> drop into let's drop into a bit of fishing. Why not start with your three? Let's go. You've been around the traps a bit. Let's start with your your three most memorable or best trips in the fishing scene, Bush. Yeah, I've been around the traps a lot, I guess, and I have wasted my entire life with going on fishing trips. That's that's all I've done. But then again... That sounds I like a real really waste. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't really change it too much. If I, yeah, I, I got lucky. Anyway, yeah, if you want some good ones, I, I suppose still Christmas Island um, for bonefish was probably my best ever trip. And maybe that was a, a number of reasons. When you're a kid, you, if you're a fisherman, you read the American magazines and you see the guys fly fishing for bonefish and walking a flat and doing all that stuff. And you think, well, I'm never going to get to do that probably. And even, you know, till quite late in my career, I didn't make it over there. And then it was always probably the only thing that was on my bucket list. And then I got the opportunity to go. And luckily enough, it was um, everything just fell into place. It was a fantastic trip. I, I was writing it up, doing a magazine article. So I probably got looked after a little bit better than some. I had um, guys that were putting us on the right flats at the right time. We, got, we probably got, you know, looked after a bit there. Um and the guy I was with, he sort of went with the guy, and I, I just stayed on the same sand cage as they did, but I did my own thing and spotted my own fish and went fishing. And, and I guess we had a week of doing that and, and just beautiful weather and unbelievable amounts of bone fish. The whole experience was just, um, yeah, it was up there. And the food was good. Um, 
I just thought it was probably my best trip if you if you had to rate them. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Mm, very good. Was that was that whole time spent fly fishing? Yeah, just fly fishing. Yeah, I mean I I'll fish for anything with anything. In fact, I'd, I'd fish in a toxic drain with sausages <laughs> on the end of the hook if, if I could catch fish next to a next to um, Chernobyl. No problem at all if I was catching them, and I'd be happy. But if you can go to a beautiful place as well, and you caught the bejesus out of the fish and then you can look at the scenery well yeah that's me so yeah that was just a trip and maybe it was just that i had that gap in my in my fishing that i wanted to fill. strangely enough i haven't gone bone fishing ever since i've had opportunities i could have gone but in a way i've plugged that gap and and, and, and it's good and, and i'm maybe a little bit scared i'll go somewhere else and it won't be as good i don't know if, if bone fish were closer i'd definitely do more of it but yeah that's probably my best trip um it was a cracker mm. In terms of, like, I love fly fishing. Aaron hasn't done a huge amount of it, but I find it so incredibly addictive because you can, you don't have to catch fish to have a great time. You can have a great cast and have the satisfaction from that in itself because it is so I'm a bit worried about you, Paddy. Yeah, no, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm sitting here just <laughs> no, shaking my head no. going, are you all right? It's, it's, yeah. There's something about it. It's very therapeutic. Like you, can... saying, you don't have to get a kick when you play footy. Anyway, apart from that, okay, it won't be harsh. You've got to catch fish first. Then you worry about whether you've had a good time. Okay, we need to organise you a bit. I'm a bit worried about you. I'm with you, Bushy. So you yeah, Bushy. Um, well, Cape York, we know is is on your list. Um, I think it's on everyone's list. Yeah, it's one incredible yeah, part I, of well, Australia. Early days, going back, going back a fair way. We, we went um, on a mothership operation. Started at Bamaga. And it was the second uh, trip that that boat had ever done, and we there was some good good mates went with me too, which made the trip very good. And we all had no money, and we all scrimped and saved and went on it, and mostly then because I was sort of on it again, riding it up, so I didn't have to scrimp and save as much. But um, then again, I had less money than then. So anyway, we we got on the trip, and it was pretty well um, a long time ago, and we didn't really know what to expect, and neither did the guys running the mothership, so. It was a bit of an exploration trip as well, and we, we did um, all sorts of, of different fishing that you can do up north, catching barrows and catching um, GTs and mangrove jacks and all the, all the goodies, giant herrings. Um, but the thing that really got to me was walking on the clear beaches up there and polaroiding barra. Uh, that was some catch them on fly. That was just out of control. We've, I've still got some old footage there of us, sort of four or five of us standing on a beach all hooked up the barrels at once, crystal clear water and sand. It's not quite like, like you think of up north along that piece of inland beach. So, yeah, so that was um, that was amazing, you know, experiences with crocodiles and stuff like that. So, yeah, that, that was uh, that was probably my second best trip. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Now, number three, Bush? Three would be Dirk Hartog Island. I've been over there quite a few times in, in the west, and that's a, a multi-species fishery as well you get a lot of the northern species and the southern ones and when i went the snapper fisheries crashed a bit since then but there was a very good big snapper fishery there before it kind of crashed um so that was that was an amazing trip again because we we didn't really exactly know what to expect um and we since had a few other trips over there too doing some filming in the old rexy shows and stuff like that catching really big tailor off the rocks and cobia and snapper off the rocks and lots of lots of different things um, and there's all, all sorts of things there big sailfish you get as well and some yellowfin tuna at times yeah pretty pretty amazing part of the world and not and not too many people which I, i'm keen on 
Bushy, you obviously, along with Rex, really, uh, I suppose, brought fishing to mainstream Australia. Uh, the industry's changed a lot since then. It's become far more commercialised and that, unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, that's just become the reality behind the content that's created around fishing. Uh, how do you see it? Do you think it's been... Um, do you think it's detracted from the fishing shows that are produced now or it's just a way of life and a way to meet ends meet for, for the guys that are bringing us these, you know, their, their fishing yeah, tours? It is, it is a bit tougher for the guys that are, that are doing the shows now. Um, just, and probably yourself as well. I mean, it's a commercial reality. You, it's hard to get the shows on. You've got to find money to get, actually get them on and then you've got to find more sponsors. So um, there's only so many plugs you can put into a show and it's difficult now, I think, for people, whereas back in the day, I mean, Rexy was getting a pretty good dollar, I think, out of uh, actually getting paid by the TV station to put it on for a start. And then you've Which got doesn't exist at all now. No, it's a reverse of that, I'm told. So, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's just a fact of life, I suppose. I mean, um, yeah, it's just something you've got to, you've got to deal with if you want to do it, but... When you get to be a broken down, busted ass footballer, Paddy, you're gonna to have to do something for a living. You might as well have fun. You know, you got you might as well get out there and go fishing, which you no, no doubt thought about. No, there's worse. Uh, there's worse things to do for a job, I reckon, Bushy. Oh yeah, no, it's, we, we had a lot of fun. I mean, people when I when I was doing it, um, oh, it was bloody hard, man. It was a hard job. I, I it just about killed me doing it. That's for sure. My mates are all yeah on the bandwagon like yours probably are. Like, Oh, yeah, when, when can I come and carry your bags? And then when it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you're carrying the bags from the hotel <laughs> down to the cab and then undoing them out of the cab and putting them in the boat to be there at dawn, they're not there. Yeah, no, no, I'm <laughs> yeah so, no, it was, uh, it was pretty tough. And, and living out of a suitcase, all that stuff, you need the violins in the background for this. But, but we did have some fantastic fishing that I, I wouldn't have ever experienced. I mean, going to England and fishing in the Itchen and places like that for trout with flies and all over the Pacific and all over the place. Yeah, it was you couldn't do that if you're a millionaire, really. To go to the places I went and did, do the fishing that I actually did. So, yeah, it was a, it was a good gig, and you'll have fun if you if you um, you know keep on with doing it. But uh, yeah, it was, it was good. But there was a lot of pressure. I mean, I don't know whether you you probably deal with pressure, okay, because you're used to it playing footy. But yeah, I mean, I, I was there to catch the fish, and and we'd shoot all the pretty pictures. That'd waste most today, and then they'd say, "Okay, you, the fisherman, come here now, catch something big and spectacular." Uh, you know, now, thanks. <laughs> yeah, within the next five minutes. <laughs> yeah, preferably on that side of the boat. Yeah, I, I'll never forget one one of the first trips I did. We went to Cape York filming, and there's a mass of queen fish and tuna and cross knows what all busting in a big a big heap. And they turned the camera on, and I've, I've turned to cast. And the cameraman just put the camera down and tapped me on the shoulder. He said, the light's not right there. Could you cast the other direction, the other side of the boat, where there was <laughs> nothing? So we had, we had to knock ourselves into shape a bit you know, over, the, over the time. But, but we did. By the time we finished filming, we had five directors, five sound men, five fishermen, <laughs> five everything. Everyone stuck their two bobs worth in. But uh, no, it was good, actually. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good time in a, in a way and a hard time in my way. Bushy, thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures, sharing uh, your top three fishing trips, but also a little around our uh, our great game AFL. Thanks, Bushy. See you, mate. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years.
Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge, celebrating 150 years. It's time for Red's Tip, Redman. Uh, coming off the back of just basically what the BIA have done for us and everyone involved, let's reward those guys and actually go out there and get your boat serviced. Not only that, you're going to support these industries that have been without work for a period of time. And you, I stated at the start of the show, if you've just joined in, if you want to listen to the show, make sure you head to our iTunes page, uh, iTunes or Real Adventures app. You can listen to our show. I explain basically that you can get your boat serviced now further than five kilometres if you're they're getting regular maintenance or servicing from a specialised dealer. So if you need to head to Melbourne Marine Centre and get your boat serviced, you can do so safely and legally. Just make sure that you're booking in with the guys and you can go do this. So let's reward the guys that put the effort in for us. Let's help support the, the, the businesses that have, been missed, have missed out on servicing and whatnot for a period of time now. And not only that, you're going to save your mate Bob who's catching snapper from towing you back into the boat ramp and you're going to have a better day catching fish than you are getting towed back to the ramp. Pretty simple tip this week. Get it done and catch some fish sooner than later. Speaking of being towed back to the boat ramp, it's time for the flying gaff and three men have been fined for breaching Melbourne's coronavirus lockdown restrictions. Uh, they've been rescued after their boat capsized overnight. So they were, police were called to an Altona Pier, or the Altona Pier, uh, after reports that uh, the boat had capsized two k's offshore just before 8pm, so it was everything was dark. Um, safe to say, Redmond... Um, just absolute idiots. They've all, they've all been fine. So I think the fine is close to 5K, so you could have bought plenty of fishing gear for that. But all you had to do was wait a little bit of time and then you could have been out fishing over the weekend. I understand it's hard, like you said, Pat. I'm allowed to fish in regional, so it's easy for me to say, oh, but I've got a hell of a lot of mates and business partners that are in that Melbourne area doing the right thing. And you might not think it's the right thing. I might not think it's the right thing. But the rules and regs are there. I know that you only say, Pat, it's three weeks left and we've done seven months, but three weeks left isn't that much longer. So hold off because you're going to stuff it for the the guys that are doing the right thing. I don't want Andrew's next press conference to sit there going, oh, the guys went out, now this happened, this is why you can't do it and give us a reason why we can't. So three weeks, please, please hold off. I'm begging you guys to do it and stay safe. And hopefully you can get on the water soon and catch some of these red-coloured fish in the next couple of weeks, Patrick. You've been listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge, celebrating 150 years we're going fishing. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.